Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? When it comes to 2020, unless we're talking about our favorite games of the year, probably. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. We're back from our break to talk about our favorite video games of the year with top 10 lists from each of us. You can probably guess what some of the games will be, but some others might be a surprise. What did we go with? Stick around and find out. I'm Kirk Hamilton. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Jason Schreier. And hey. And we are back. We sure are. After back. a long hiatus of one Oh, yes. Week. So long. It was so, so long. long. I missed you both terribly. I, just, I counted the days <laughs> until we could be back recording, talking about I video games. Know. I mean, it was kind of nice. I had extra time to play more video games, which That's I'm going to talk about today. So. Oh, yes. Yes, that is true. That is true. Yeah. So it's the end of the year. It hasn't been uh, Triple Click's first entire year. We will be doing some kind of celebration when that happens. That'll be in that's April. That's a good point, yeah. But it's the end of 2020, and we we had a good year for Triple Click. This is the year that we launched it. It was not a good year in many other ways, but it was really fun making this show. And uh, just up top here, thanks to everybody who became a Maximum Fun member and, uh, and is supporting our show. There are a lot of you. Yeah. And it's really cool. It means a lot, and it helps us make this show. It makes this whole thing possible. Mm-hmm. So this is our last little shout-out here um, before the new year. But if you would like to support us... Making Triple Click in 2021, go to MaximumFun.org slash join, and you can become a member. And you've, you've heard this spiel from us a million times, and uh, I will I will spare you. because Yeah, well, you'll get a, you'll get a spoiler cast, a bonus episode spoiler cast of Gone Home, which we ran last right. week. Right, that's, yeah. that's true. That's true. That was a lot of fun. And so many others. That yes, was fun. And, many and more. plenty more, and many more in the future. So anyways, uh, yes, thanks to all the members. And... Um, Man, so we're going to talk about games of the year because it's <laughs> mm-hmm. the end of the year and it's that time. Before we do that, though, Jason and I have a different game that we need to talk about. Yeah, that you really got in under the wire, by the yes. way. At the very beginning of this year, um, before we even started the show, when we were back on split screen, Maddie Myers won our 2020 predictions bet. Or sorry, our 2019 mm-hmm. predictions bet. Right, um, we will right. be reviewing, we will be going over our 2020 predictions next week on this show. Um, and because of that, Maddie got to choose a game that Kirk and I both had to play. And she chose Kirby Planet Robobot for the Nintendo 3DS, which Kirk and I have have both managed to finish right under the so the the deadline was of course the end of the year we had the until right. the end of the year to, to to finish it Kirk and I have both finished in the past couple of weeks and mm-hmm. uh, that's what you two were doing on the break I was just yes. enjoying playing games from other people's game of the year lists and yeah. just uh-huh. you know walking through paradise but but you two were just scrambling to finish the greatest Kirby game ever made so it was actually it's pretty great. fun it's pretty fun um my final verdict is it's pretty fun silly um a little easy for my taste, but silly. So what changed your mind? Because the last time we talked about this game, Jason, you were pretty down on it. Do you like it now? Well, it was just super simple, like in the first few areas. And then it got a little more complex as they added like more robot stuff, more of mm-hmm. like the jetpack mode, which was super fun when you're doing like the side scrolling, shooting, shooting things. Yeah. And then it actually got a little tougher in like areas five and six, which I appreciated. Um, and But but still, the way that like it sets you up, one of the things I really don't like about this game, I like a lot about this game. It's very colorful and fun and friendly and has a lot of clever design. One of the things I don't like is that they 
they throw so many easy mode options at you. Like every before every single boss, they give you power ups. But then when you actually fight the boss, there's always some way where he spits out stars that you can use to suck up and then shoot at him. Right. So if you lose your power up, yeah, you don't. You, there's always right. a way to win in Kirby. But it, it feels like it's designed to be beaten. It makes me think of like old Mario bosses where they could only be defeated after they let you get something in the middle of the, one of their attacks that let you attack them. And that I feel like would have been a lot more challenging and interesting if they didn't give you the power up beforehand, if if you just had to shoot stars at them. But anyway, right. I digress. Um, fun game, super epic final boss. Uh, and yeah, those are my thoughts. Kirk, did you have uh, any thoughts you wanted to share? Yeah, I liked the game too. Um, I had played a lot of it earlier in the year and then played the back half in these last couple of weeks or in the sort of last week. It's a great game. Um, it's interesting that it's both very simple and very complex. I don't think of it as a simple game. It's not challenging to finish it, but it would be it's very challenging if you want to get all of the um, cyber cubes or whatever they're called and, and all yeah. the stars and like try to really do all those the puzzles stickers. because the puzzles are very hard in a way that I don't always like. Sometimes they're these great little brain teasers. Um, this game I think uses the 3DS 3D space phenomenally mm-hmm. well. It just looks so cool and you're doing a lot of platforming, like 2D platforming in the front and then you go to the back and there's clever ways where you have to manipulate the front via the back and the back via the front. There's kind of these, you know, 2.5D but it's much more clever about Which it. Which is a very 3DS thing because of yeah. the 3D and like a lot of 3DS games, especially Nintendo made 3DS games did that exact sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, I probably I mm-hmm. can't think of a better looking 3DS game I've played except for maybe Super Mario 3D Land. Um, just the 3D in this game is amazing. So I like that and the presentation. But uh, the, the to the complexity thing, though, just to the, the earlier thing I was saying, um, it's really complicated. Like, there's a ton of stuff in this game. I mean, looking through the move sets, I would discover moves. There's so many moves for every single ability that you get. I don't know, like, I got the doctor ability and realized that if you hold down and the action key, he, like, opens up a whole chemistry kit and he makes different kinds of power-ups. And sometimes yeah. you, there's, like, a random element where sometimes you get a healing potion out of that. And there's mm-hmm. so much stuff like that where I was like, oh, this is like a fighting game almost, which... Well, it's very Smash Brothers. And, in fact, a lot of the abilities that he gets, like, the doctor is like Dr. Mario. A lot of the abilities he gets are, like, yes. the equivalent of his Smash moveset. Well, and there is a Smash Brothers ability that you get that then gives you this whole variety pack of moves like you get the fast punch and the, like it's like a mm-hmm. sort of uh whatever trail mix super <laughs> pack of abilities so anyways that is really complicated but then the game is not actually challenging in a way that forces you to use all of that stuff which i didn't mind because i generally just found it delightful and and really fun and i don't think i needed it to be harder and then i i the one thing i really didn't like was i didn't like the boss fights like i liked the challenges. I like the puzzles. Um, and the mm-hmm. only puzzles I don't like are the ones where you can't solve it the first time because you wall it off to yourself and it's designed for you to realize like, ah, shit, I blew my one chance. That sort of yeah. bugs me I sometimes because like yeah. you got to go back and I'm like, I'm not going back. Um, but then the <laughs> boss fights I don't always love just because moving Kirby is kind of a drag. Like the, there's a kind of floaty feeling to the game in general that I mm-hmm. didn't ever quite get my head around the way that the jump and then the float and then you've got to spit the air and drop. And there are just so many times where a boss is moving quick around in a circle and you're kind of just chasing them around and then you have mm-hmm. to dodge stuff but there's no good way to dodge it's it's very much not <laughs> yeah there's Sekiro, no parrying you know? in kirby there's yeah, <laughs> no. you're right it's nothing like Sekiro, but it's also it's not hollow knight like there are no. a lot of things it is not that i know you two like but 
And I so that, I you like know, I, I really liked being in the mech. I really liked the aerial oh, combat yeah. sequence. There are a lot of things, sequences that I like, but I like the puzzle solving better probably than the combat just because I never fully got my head around it. But it was a great introduction to Kirby for me, and I learned all about all of Kirby's different moves and his ultimate power, which is incredible. <laughs> and, like, it makes these games very rich, and I could see... It, it feels like there's something there, like there could be something more to a character who can take on all these different moves. It's just that the game itself is so pretty sanded down in a lot of ways because it's kind of for kids that it, yeah. it, there's a little feeling that it's missing something, which I, I, I feel like you're kind of saying as well, Jason. So I, I do feel that. But I liked it mm-hmm. overall. I know what you mean. And I, I do feel like it's the kind of game that you maybe give to a kid where you want them to play Hollow Knight when they're a little bit older. But like yeah. this is the kind of game you give them and be like, do you like this kind of game? Do you mm-hmm. like a kind of it's Metroid-esque? I mean, you're collecting all these different power ups you're exploring, but it's super easy and nothing's ever going to feel that terrible to you. Right. So I, I like that part of it. But is that why you picked it for us? Because I picked we it for you, like too, because easy, you were both, an easy way to get into. You're both very skeptical about Kirby games. And I I think I was just trolling you two. I don't even, I don't, who remembers what happened a year ago? Like, Not I me. truly don't know. <laughs> I, but I also really like this one. Jason is very skeptical. I've, I've never really been a Kirby skeptic. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've played other Kirby games and never, but really you hadn't, loved them. Kirk. Like, you had know. never yeah. played a Kirby and Correct. you were just kind of like, I have no beef with Kirby, but I don't mm-hmm. know him. So mm-hmm. I, I just felt that you should know him on some level and now you do. I, and also, this is usually the Kirby game I recommend. If somebody's never played a Kirby game, I feel mm-hmm. like this one has a lot going for it. I don't know that it's the best Kirby game ever, but it, it's it got enough different fun things going on that I think it's worth recommending. So if a listener is hearing this and they've never played a Kirby game before, <laughs> I think they should play this one. It's Break out good. the 3DS. Kirby Planet Robobot on the 3DS. And another kind of thing that was kind of a drag was like having to play games on a 3DS. My 3DS like randomly shuts off and like doesn't control zone. <laughs> yeah. Now you can retire it for good now that you've beaten this video game. So... Kirk, what are we doing today? Today, we are talking about other video games. In (laughs) fact, a whole bunch of other video games. Video games from the year 2020. We're going to go through each of our respective top 10 lists and uh, talk about the games on them, probably focusing a little bit more on the games that we haven't already talked about at length on the show. And that's it. Uh, We've got a lot of ground to cover, so let's get to it. Um, Jason, why don't you take us through your top 10 video games of 2020? Sure, yeah. So some of these, like you said, we've talked about a lot on the show, including my first two, which are Hades and Final Fantasy VII Remake, which I believe are the two that all three of us share on our list, but we'll get yeah, to I your, think you're, your two I think you're right. in a bit. Yeah. But yeah, those are two games uh, we did. We talked about Final Fantasy VII Remake a lot when the show first started, and that is just a fantastic um, reimagining of a classic game um, and really, by the end, makes you question what it means to be a remake and what a remake should actually offer and um just a fascinating amazing experience that i enjoyed i looked at my list and not to start getting on my list about it but it is kind of the only huge triple a that style console game Mm. on my list and i I think a lot about i mean in particular last of us 2 and cyberpunk for different reasons but we're sort of disappointments and it's i look back and i'm like man remember when that big glossy triple a game came out and it was just wonderful and (laughs) i was just glad i was playing it 
Well, yeah, I have yeah. a couple more on my list, but we'll get mm-hmm. to those in a sec. Um, nice. And Hades, obviously, I mean, I think that's pretty much consensus, like the best game of this year to a lot of people, myself included. Um, just a phenomenal experience that we talked about a lot over the past few months. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Um, to get through a few more, my third on my list, this is in no particular order, um, random order. Third on my list is Call of the Sea, an indie game, a mystery narrative exploration puzzle game that I talked about on One More Thing last episode. So go listen to me talk about that uh, on two weeks, two weeks ago, not last week, <laughs> last week's episode, but the episode two weeks ago. Can I say um, I've played more of this game? I do really like it. Um, I've been playing it with it's Emily. It's great, right? Yeah, we've been playing on the couch where we kind of solve the puzzles together. Nice. Yeah, the writing isn't totally doing it for me. Like there's a lot of very obvious exposition and it's a little clumsy, the script. So there are just uh-huh. kind of times where it's like, okay, like there's just a, so much of, Oh, um, interesting. I found it so charming. Maybe it's because I, the performances are so good from Sissy Jones and Yuri Lowenthal mm-hmm. that like it helps make up for a lot of exposition. Yeah. I'm pretty early and I haven't gotten, I, I have a feeling that as things get going and especially as like Yuri's only just turned up, I'm only a few puzzles farther in than I was, but then yeah, Sissy Jones is doing a good job of delivering it. And overall, lovely game so just wanted to Mm -hmm. add that i that i like it and have played it more. fair enough but yes it's one of my favorites of the year um next up number four on my list is demon souls one of those big triple a games the ps5 launch title remake of the 2009 ps3 game man i love this thing i played it a lot and beat it um beat all the bosses beat all the regions it's really really good it's really really good um and i think probably the easiest of the souls ish souls born games that i've played um so hmm. feels like actually a good starting point if you're new to the series that's really interesting i've never heard that about i've never heard demon souls is easy it's usually Me described either. to me as the harder one and that dark souls is harder bing kirk from the future here I meant to say Dark Souls is easier there, and instead I said Dark Souls is harder. And that's just one of those things that you do when you record a podcast, you're editing, and you listen back to yourself, and you say harder when you meant to say easier, and such is life. Okay, back to the show. Bing! But it would make sense because they added, I think, some quality of life stuff to this remake that maybe it doesn't have those weird sharp edges. Mm -hmm. Um, Including the ability. So you have like inventory space, and now you can automatically send things to your unlimited stash when you pick Um. them up. So if you pick something up, it's not like you're out of space, you're screwed. You can just send it back to home base. So That's my question cool. for you is, do you think that maybe one reason you thought it was easier is because you're just better at these games? <laughs> ah. Yeah, I do. Definitely. No, I yeah. definitely do. But here's the thing. Uh, usually in these kinds of games, the bosses are the big choke points for everybody. Um, in Bloodborne, for example, like a lot of people get to um, mm-hmm. Father Gascon in the, in the, what is it? Father, is that? Gascoigne, yeah, that's Gascoigne, yeah, in the cemetery, and they're like, "Uh oh, I'm screwed. Like, I'm done Mm -hmm. with this game," or like Vicaramila, or whatever it is. Um, Often, uh, the bosses are the choke points, but in Demon Souls, um, because the bosses are actually most of them are like gimmick bosses. um, There are a few that are that are tough cookies and ones you need some traditional soul skills to beat, but most of them, once you figure out what to do you just do it and then it's not so hard so there aren't a lot of bosses that i was just like throwing my head against right. the wall the, the way i did with some of the bloodborne bosses but yes definitely or like jinichiro or lady butterfly like those yeah, I will, bosses. I yeah. get to those a little bit later in the show <laughs> but yes um mm. 
Um, but yeah, and, and yeah, it just, I think part of it is that it runs at a like gorgeous 60 frames a second, looks amazing on PS5. And I think having that smooth frame rate really helps with a game like this as opposed to Bloodborne, where because it's so choppy, like sometimes you might lose and it's not even something you did. It's like the game hiccuping or something like that. Um, and yeah, it has a lot going for it. I love it. Anyway, really good game. Highly recommend You know what uh, the hardest boss in Demon Souls is? What? Getting a PS5. <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> At least that's the hardest boss I've, I've um, run into. You just have to, if you just have to uh, dodge roll on Wario64's exactly. Twitter and just keep, <laughs> right. keep target locking the Twitter. you got to make sure you have that the, the Wario64 equipped before you go into exactly. the fight. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, number five, another AAA game, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, this game uh, we've talked about a lot on the show. We did a triple play talking about it, and I think I was definitely the most high on it of the three of us. I was also super high on Odyssey. I just love these these games and the way that the series has evolved to be more RPG-like, and I really loved Valhalla. I wish it hadn't been so buggy, but um, it is what it is. Uh, unlike Cyberpunk, this game kind of hooked me enough that I wanted to finish it despite the bugs, whereas Cyberpunk I'm probably going to wait a few months to play some more. Um, but yeah, we've talked about a lot that a lot, so go back and listen to old episodes of the show if you want to hear a little bit more about it. But like, Can I um, can I ask you one thing about Valhalla? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is with, speaking very broadly, the ending is good, right? Like, it's got a good ending? Like it's, Yeah, uh, especially if you're, an, if you're like a long-time Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed fan, it's very much like one of those endings that is like, oh shit, like, moment... <laughs> That like longtime fans, there are a lot of nice, moments throughout nice. the game that I think you you did the the stuff. Yeah, I've done um, a few things. I, I I mainly just ask because I didn't finish it and this isn't on my list. But I have a feeling mm-hmm. that maybe if I had just really powered through it and had the time, I yeah, maybe I'm if the, the ending is really boat. cool, I might have been like, mm, this could wind up being a game that I really love, which is fine. It doesn't need to be on my yeah. list or not. Well, but, but actually, the problem is that it drags so much towards the end. As I mentioned on our triple play, mm. it's so friggin' long and unnecessarily padded that it actually might make you dislike it more if you kind right. of like barrel your way through. But yeah, I mean, just give it time. This is a game. Yeah, that, I, like, I, I plan to. This is a game that is going to get so much TLC over the next like year <laughs> or two. Um, I I suspect not to drop any news bombs here, but if I had to make an educated prediction, I would guess that this is one of those games that they like keep supporting over time rather than be like brand new giant Assassin's Creed next year. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is more of a, a long term like Odyssey game where they want to keep adding to it. Um, all right, number six for me, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, a game that I think got a lot of attention over the summer and then kind of. dropped in hype because Among Us took over Um, Mm -hmm. but I still like it I I love Fall Guys I had so much fun it's such a fun like so fall guys for people aren't familiar it's like Fortnite meets mario party it's a battle royale except you're playing little party social mini games instead of uh fighting and shooting each other um and it's super fun some of the games are really chaotic and luck driven others are skill driven and um it's got that feeling it gives you that like oh my god i have to play one more session feeling that the best uh competitive games give you but it just feels a lot more accessible and a lot more fun and a lot more joyful than a lot of other, I don't know, battle royale games I played or multiplayer games I played. Mm -hmm. I just really enjoyed playing this thing. 
Um, yeah, and we haven't talked about it a ton on the show, but I'm still into it. Um, next up, number seven, Paper Mario the Origami King, another game that we talked about on the show a little bit, but um, just uh, to, to refresh your memories, this is the latest in the Paper Mario series. It has kind of, It's like a turn-based RPG with a weird combat system involving rings. It's like every <laughs> combat is like a puzzle. Um, mm-hmm. can get a little repetitive, but the reason I love this game is the writing and the story and the dialogue, and it just never failed to make me laugh and there are some surprisingly emotional moments like you wouldn't be you wouldn't expect from a game like this like it actually will make you really sad at certain points <laughs> so you're saying that the dialogue isn't flat <laughs> you're saying God. that the character development is more than paper thin oh my god it's not two-dimensional all right we need i need a <laughs> new podcast co-host <laughs> Um, in Paper Mario the Origami King you get a lot of companions that then leave your party I'm ready for Kirk to leave my party and then Mm, be replaced with with somebody else (laughs) want to be like a folded version of me who just speaks in gibberish yeah and then he'd have to fight you Uh, yeah this game is super funny Uh, throughout the game you're like finding toads everywhere and they always just like make me crack up with all their their dialogue um speaking of funny number eight on my list is bug snacks another funny game that is also surprisingly emotional and uh i love this game so much this game is uh, uh it's so it's called bug snacks because you're on an island full of bug snacks which are half bug half snacks um are really both they're both bug and snack 100 percent bug and 100 percent snack mm-hmm. um like a spider made out of french fries or like a crab made out of a baked potato with like claws and and they're ridiculous. I mean, Bunger is, of course, Bunger. Bunger is a legendary, uh, a legendary yes. member of the podcast. Just for the record, Bunger, 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 yes, Bunger, 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 Bunger. Um, And uh, you go around trying to trap these bug snacks in increasingly elaborate ways. It can feel a little bit clunky and like repetitive, and it lacks some some things that I wish it had, like fast travel. But um, it's so good. It's so much fun. I had such a, an enjoyable, delightful time playing this game um, on PS5. And the story, again, just like Paper Mario, the story and dialogue and characters are just like surprisingly heartfelt and deep. Um, has some really good, like unexpected character development. Um, I think a few weeks ago, I compared it to Lost, the TV show. Oh, yes. And still think that stands. Just like Lost <laughs> has a polarizing, ridiculous ending. Um, and yeah. Next on my list, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. This is the latest edition, the latest contender on my list because I actually just started playing this um, like a week ago. So I haven't finished it, but already I love it. Just hits that, scratches that Metroidvania itch. Um, This is a sequel to Ori and the Blind Forest, which a lot of people enjoyed. I'm enjoying this just as much, if not more. They give you the double jump after like 30 minutes, which really just Mm -hmm. opens it up and makes it feel super freeing. And then quickly you get the dash in the air. And so you get to a point where you're just like zipping around it's super airy and light and a lot of fun to play plus they've improved the combat the developers at moon studios have improved the combat on the last game so you get like weapons and um you have a whole host of different abilities and power-ups and such and yeah i'm really really enjoying it a beautiful game are you playing this game on switch yeah i'm playing on switch i played it a little too on my baby xbox and it's it's very pretty and it looks really great. And I, I agree with you, Jason. I, th- I feel like it's designed for people who beat the first Ori and just want to play the second one immediately afterward without feeling mm-hmm. as much friction because they just go ahead and hand you a bunch of stuff that I feel like it took longer to get in the first game and it just feels really good right away, which is nice. Metroidvanias do not always do that for you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 
um really yeah really gorgeous one of the most beautiful just like striking games oh, yeah. um, looks so good it's one of those games that is like okay video games don't need like the highest graphical red dead redemption 2 style fidelity to be like beautiful they can just look like this and not be as hugely budgeted games also fun fact moon studios the company behind this game is entirely remote and always has been so Mm -hmm. uh covid um probably changed their workflows in some ways if parents were stuck home with their kids but in terms of working from home they're all doing that anyway Last on my list is the Jackbox Party Pack number seven. And I don't necessarily think that this is a game that is on my list because it's like one of the best games of the year. And in fact, all I've been, it's a compilation of five games. And the only one that I really enjoy and have been playing with my friends is Quiplash. But it is very much a game of this year because like without being able to get together with my friends, um, without being able to have dinner parties and cocktail nights and whatever, we have been uh, a group of friends and I have been playing Jackbox pretty much like every other week or so on Zoom and FaceTime and just uh, doing it on a screen share. Um, and that has kind of saved my sanity this year. So uh, shout out to Quiplash. And obviously Quiplash, I mean, Quiplash is an amazing game. It's a it's a game where the, the game gives you prompts and you and whoever you're playing against, it's like you're up in pairs, um, have to send in prompts and everyone votes in you write your own answers to the prompts and then everyone votes for the funniest or the ones they like most. And, um, it's very fun with a good group of people and, um, has, has saved, has saved my, uh, my life this year in a lot of ways. So yes, props to the Jackbox party pack. And that is it. That is my full list. Nice. Well, Maddie, I'm looking at your list here. You've got 10 more games. Why don't we uh, why don't we move right along? Maddie, what are your top 10 sure. games of 2020? So here are my games. They're in alphabetical order because I didn't want to rank them. The first sure. one is Animal Crossing New Horizons, which, I mean, we've talked about that a lot on this show. I don't need we to have. go into detail. The game I have of really 2020. enjoyed this game, even though most of the time I'm watching Dina play it these days, but we are still playing it together and still seeing friends and still doing all of the holiday events together in this game. So... To me, Animal Crossing was a very 2020 game. And oh, yeah. there there when it was needed. Um, so the next one is Carrion, which Kirk also has on his list. So sure feel do. free to jump in if you want to talk about it here. So this is a game. It's also a Metroidvania game. A lot of Metroidvanias this year. Yeah, I, I guess it, it is. Yeah. So, But you're playing as basically the thing from John Carpenter's The Thing or a very similar <laughs> monster to that. And you get to wreak havoc in a laboratory underground base and it's so satisfying and I feel like this game came out like a little way into COVID-19 at a point where breaking out of a thing and and just rattling the bars (laughs) on the cage felt very good to at least me and really hit the spot at the time and it it's just it's a cool looking game it's a cool feeling game like having the little tentacles stretching out I, I never played a game that felt like that in terms of inhabiting a weird monster and a weird being and it really stuck with me and impressed me a lot so that's why it is on my list yeah this game kind of made me think of prototype because it is also a red bio creature game and Mm -hmm. there is some cool mobility stuff in prototype i didn't play a ton of prototype maybe i played the sequel more but it kind of has that but there i I, there isn't really another game that has mobility like this games where it's, it's like world of goo in a certain way because it's very it's like these globules that are all connected and then mm-hmm. these tentacles move and then the sound effects it's so yeah. about that like 
this like horrible yeah. sound that the tentacles make and like squelching noises and it's really gross and you're so <laughs> fast like this huge thing can just like shoot through a tiny little tube like like it's just it, you fly around the levels and it's uh, yeah I, I loved this game and loved the feel of it. I think I said this when you brought this up the other day, Kirk, but it sounds like you're playing the the end monster from inside except the entire game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of it's kind of like that. It has a lot in common with Inside um sort of tonally as well. It's like a very silent weird game about a military like scientific compound that is mm-hmm. doing bad things and you're not <laughs> really into everybody and there are even sequences where you like possess human beings that really even sort of look like Inside though it's it's got a kind of more Isolated look, but yeah, anybody who liked Inside should definitely play Carrion. Like everybody, a Carrion rules. I loved this game. It's on my list too. So yeah, 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 really fun. I played that on the Switch. I don't know how it is anywhere else, but I enjoyed it a lot on the Switch. Uh, so the next thing is Destiny Two Beyond Light. This feels like kind of a cheat answer. I thought Beyond Light was a fun expansion. I enjoyed it. Got me back into Destiny after I claimed I was going to stop playing Destiny, and arguably I'm still not really playing Destiny. We don't need to talk about it. I really just wanted to put Destiny 2 on my list this year because it seemed somehow wrong not to and inaccurate to what I actually did with my life in 2020. So moving on, um, Final Fantasy VII Remake, also a cool video game. We don't need to say more about it. The next thing is Hades. Same deal. Great video games. People should play them. You've heard us say that before. So then the last few things on my list include some indie games that were on other people's Game of the Year list uh, this year, and I just snuck them in in the past couple weeks because a lot of them are really short, and I just liked them a lot. So the first one is called If Found, and this is a game. I played it on Switch. I think it's on other platforms, but it's probably easier to play on Switch because you spend the entire time erasing somebody's diary. So there's not a lot of like actual tactile video game Uh, stuff to do in the game. You're just moving Mm -hmm. the cursor around and learning a story and learning about somebody. And it was just a really good story. Like it's a queer coming of age story and I love that shit, but it's very well told. And the experience of erasing a diary and having this person also deal with their own identity and sense of self and struggle with that is a very evocative image and it works really well in this game. And it's also beautifully drawn like there's a lot of drawings you have to erase and then put back together at the end and I don't know it was super satisfying super neat looking I took a ton of screenshots just because I was loving the experience of playing it so much I just really really worked for me and there's also a fictional band in the game and like really good music which I don't know all that stuff is right up my alley so I really enjoyed it so the whole game takes place inside of the diary Yeah, basically, there is also a frame story where there is, the game is also about the end of the world and there's like a sci-fi framing device where there's like uh, intergalactic space explorer elsewhere. So those parts are not in the diary Mm -hmm. and they just intersect with the part that's the diary that's like extremely grounded in reality and like our world. And I think it's more just a metaphor about how When you're coming out and your family doesn't accept you, it really does feel like the end of the world to you. So having Mm. this like super intense, like goofy sci-fi framing device as it's almost tacked on. But by the end of it, I was into it. And I was like, this is a very weird combination of elements, but it super worked for me. Is this a sequel to Gone Home? Yeah, 
It is. It is. Okay. Sequel to Gone Home. <laughs> Loved it. Great game. So the next thing is Kentucky Route Zero, which I think I actually talked about on the very first episode of Triple Click. I mm-hmm. People can go back and listen to that. This is a very weird game that I also played on Switch. And I think I said it was more like a play or a poem than a video yep. game. And I stand by that assessment. It's about... Yeah, it's like a big American novel that just yeah. takes a very variety of approaches to telling its story. Yeah, and it's supernatural and uh, moody and grim. And it was a very weird game for me to play in 2020. But I did it anyway, mm-hmm. and I loved it. Um, <laughs> well, this is when it came out in fi- yes. like the final act. Well, this is when it was it. completed. Yeah, yes. and so you can actually play all the acts at once. But I think it's been mm-hmm. coming out since 2013, so I want to say. Right. Yeah. I need to Something finish like it. That. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I played a bunch of it also. And just I owe it to this game to finish off. it. Yeah. I really yeah. loved what I've played. I just didn't play the final chapter. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. it but it... It puts you in a weird mood, so I can't really blame Mm -hmm. you for not beating it. So this next game, I think you two would really like. It's called Paradise Mm. Killer. Good name. Here's my elevator pitch for this game. It's Danganronpa wearing a Persona suit, like a Persona 5 suit. I mean, go on. (laughs) I'm very into it. It was only made by two people, so it does not have the same level of scope as the games I just mentioned. Like, it feels very much like a game that was made by two people. That's fine if it's not 100 hours long. Like, you know, there's the occasional typo in the dialogue, and, Mm -hmm. like, you're walking around this island, and you're like, walking around the island feels kind of bad. But, like, it's a ton (laughs) of conversations where you're solving a mystery, and the mystery is so weird and cool and good that I can't believe more people didn't talk about this game, and I'm loving it. So... It's called Paradise Killer because this game is set in paradise and you are basically this immortal investigator who's been summoned back to life because somebody has killed paradise by like murdering all of the council members who decide what paradise should be like because... Mm. Much like The Good Place, they're continually reinventing new versions of Paradise because it keeps getting infiltrated by like bad actors, demons in this case. And so they keep trying to perfect it. And they're like, the next one's going to be great. And they keep doing that all the time. Like that's the backstory of this world. And this next Paradise they're going to make before you can even get to it, all of the people who designed it and voted on it get killed and you have to solve this murder. But there's like all this stuff you learn about how paradise actually works, which is like it operates on slave labor and like there are all these people with different motivations as to why they would want to destroy this place. And it's really weird and trippy and like, the game is also hard to play at points because you have to spend a lot of time exploring an island and like collecting crystals and like that part kind of blows. But the story rules so much that I just want more people to play it because nice. I it's rare that I play a super good mystery. And the other cool thing about the game is that you can go to trial and make your accusations at any time. And you can kind of lose. Jason, are you, can you hearing like... this? This is like a trial <laughs> mystery game set on an island. You got to play yeah, this game. Yeah, I started. I mean, I started it when it came out, and then just kind of bounced off. Did of you it. not dig it? I don't yeah. know. It wasn't something about the 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 dialogue and the. It felt very. It's like... very. It's very weird. You got to get on board with a lot of like mystical mm-hmm. proper nouns, which mm-hmm. like. At it first... felt like it was trying very hard in a way that kind of turned me off. Like it almost felt like one of those like no more heroes type of vibes that I mm. never really got into. And that's why I bounce off of it. It mm. does have a very strange tone that I feel like you would either love or hate. I happen to really dig it, but it 
No More Heroes is not necessarily a bad comparison. I, I haven't played 13 Sentinels yet, but I feel like it has some similar, like there's a lot of characters with strange <laughs> names. Like you have to keep track of a lot of shit. But so you can go to trial at any time. You can make your accusations and people can get killed and you can be like, I don't know if I settled the trial in the correct way. And then you can like go back in to the island and do a previous save and like do everything again if you want. I don't know. It's a cool, weird game. Uh Maybe I'll play the trial a couple more times and talk about it next week. I don't nice. know. Oh, I'm totally going to check it out. Um, Spider-Man Miles Morales. I beat this video game this mm. week. This one might be a case of recency bias for me. I really enjoyed this game, but the ending was super weird. And mm. I will not spoil it, but some of the antagonist motivations didn't super make sense to me at the end. However... I liked so much of this game that I still put it on this list. But I'm also like, if I had beaten Assassin's Creed Valhalla, would it have beaten this game on the list? Mm. Maybe. If I had finished Yakuza Like a Dragon, would it have beaten this game? Maybe. I don't know. But I did really like this game. I thought it fleshed out Miles as a character in a really cool way. Some of the other characters, maybe not so much, but Miles is so freaking charming in this game that I feel like he carries a lot of it. And there are so many great side quests and little moments that I just really enjoyed it. And I think it's worth playing. And then the last thing on my list is Wide Ocean Big Jacket, another weird little indie game. This one is only an hour. So this is a game about four people who go on a camping trip together and they just have conversations. And that sounds like the most boring shit in the world. And I was extremely skeptical about this game. And I was like, all my friends who play any games are telling me this game is brilliant. I can't imagine how it could possibly be good. I was laughing so much at the dialogue in this (laughs) game. Like laughing out loud alone in my home at how funny it is and how cute it is and how human everyone was in terms of how they talk to each other. And it's an hour. Like it's so cute and good. And it just put me in a great mood for an hour of my life and made me forget about how terrible everything is. So I think people should play it. Hmm. It's great. You sold me at under an hour. Yeah. Made me miss camping. I also like that the title sounds like a cake lyric. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Nice. That sounds cool. Well, all right. That just leaves me. (laughs) Wide ocean, short skirt, long jacket. A wide ocean and a big jacket. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, trumpet solo. Okay, so my list is in order of name length, which is I think the best way to organize your game lists. And you can look at it in the in the in the uh, show notes and see if you agree with me. So yes. we've talked about a lot of these, so mine won't take as long. But uh, I'm just gonna go through them one at a time. First, Hades. Good video game. We talked Good about it a lot. Cool game. game. Uh, they added cross save to this game, and I now have played some on PC. This game rips on PC. I mean, it's great on Switch, but it's it's real great at a high frame rate and a high resolution. Really fun, and super cool that you can just hop back and forth now. Did I mean, you intentionally yeah, just rules. say high frame rate and a high resolution, just like the cake song? Uh, with a high, high frame rate and, and a high resolution. resolution. <laughs> uh, doesn't quite have the same rhythm to it. Okay, no. so yeah, Hades is great. What more is there to say? Uh, Carry On is my next one. Um, not to be confused with the thing you bring with you onto the airplane. It is, in fact, a Carry On. <laughs> I was going to say, not to be confused with Carry On, my don't... wayward soul. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Kansas song. Um, it's uh, This is a great game, too. I already talked about it some when Maddie talked about it. But yeah, I loved this. People should play it. I feel like it got a little overlooked, maybe, but I know I talked about it earlier in the year and uh, or maybe we both did Maddie and hey yeah, it's on did. both of our lists it's a it's a good one it's just a cool video game next up is one that I've talked about but I want to talk about a little bit more and that is Spiritfarer 
which uh, I did as my one more thing earlier this year, but then came back to actually like when I was sort of drowning in Valhalla and Watch Dogs and sort of all these fall games, these big games, I was like, you know what I want is a game that's very straightforward about what I need to do next instead of a big open game. And Spiritfarer really just scratched that itch. And then, of course, also is just wonderfully written and beautiful. And I just, it just really blooms slowly into this amazing thing. Um, so it's a game where you uh, are a girl named Stella, who, along with your cat, you take over for Charon. What's funny is when I first talked about this game, I think I didn't know how to pronounce Charon. And I said, like, is it Sharon? Sharon, mm-hmm. Charon? Because it was before we all played Hades and heard Zagarius say it a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. Like Now I'm like, oh, it's Charon. So you take over for Charon as the sort of sh- ship master of the afterlife. And then the whole game is you cart these animals around that are spirits of humans from the real world. And then you kind of help them. It's not as neat as like, tidy up whatever loose ends they have before they move on to the great beyond and you kind of take them to this door and then they move through it. It's a much more sophisticated game from a writing perspective than I was expecting. And I've played a lot of it now. I haven't finished, but I'm near the end. It's really sad. This game has made me cry many times. It's like a very, very emotional game because the writing is so good. Um, It's a really funny mix of like modern kind of almost like lefty, ironic, anti-capitalist stuff. Like, turns out the afterlife is very capitalist. Everybody has jobs that they talk about a lot, which is very funny. And mm-hmm. um, and then also this just beautiful sort of slice of life stuff where it's people dealing with their weird baggage from life. And they're all very different. And it's just, it's not, like I said, it's not as tidy as you're expecting. It isn't like, oh, this person needs to go like get closure on that one person who cheated on them so they can feel okay moving on. A lot of times it's just sort of like, you just learn about their challenges and their problems and they just articulate why they could never really deal with them or overcome them. And they're like, but anyways, I'm tired and I need to go. And it just, it has a much more kind of grounded quality to it. And it's really beautiful. It's like a really beautiful moving game. It's uh, the gameplay is kind of platforming, even Metroid, you get, you get abilities that you unlock and then um, you can like get to new areas and it's like a side scrolling platformer, but then it's also kind of animal crossing. You have a ship, that you're constantly upgrading. And it's also kind of the Sims because each of your crew, each of the passengers you take on has their own little life and routine and favorite things and you need to make food for them and keep them all happy so they don't leave or anything. It's 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 very low key um, in terms, like you don't, you can't lose really or die. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, a, it's a really wonderful game. I, I like, I, I loved it. I love it. I, I guess I still haven't finished it. I will come back and finish it. And I just, I don't know. It's a game where I, a year where I've thought a lot about death and a lot about getting older in life. And I don't know, it's sort of, it felt truer on a lot of those levels than anything else that I played this year. And really most video games that I've played, it's a remarkable game. So um, I And also you can longer. hug the animals. Oh yes, mm. there's a hug prompt and it's wonderful. The animation in this game is beautiful, beautiful music, just really, really great. Um, so I'll just keep going. Black Mesa is my next pick. This game, of course, a remake of Half-Life, the original Half-Life. That, that started this as this, like, huh. um, well, it finished this year. So it's oh, been right. out it for a long time in thing. various okay. forms. Uh, and I, I did talk about this earlier in the year, but uh, it's a sort of fan-created remake of Half-Life that then, over time, got Valve's blessing and then got access to the original tools and then the sound effects. And really, like, they, they really 
kind of it was like a valve assisted remake project of half-life one one of the great first-person shooters of all time and it's so good and then they remade the whole zen section at the end where you go to the alien planet so it's just completely different than the original game which was kind of a low point in the original game and it's so cool now and everything in the game is amazing and it just remains this incredible feat of like crowd-sourced game development over such a long period of time these people who worked so hard all of them a lot of them just in their spare time as hobbies they they, they did this amazing thing they recreated one of the greatest games ever and made a version of it that i think can stay as the kind of Half-Life experience that anyone can go have if they want to play Half-Life, which they should. So I, I loved it and think it's great and really admire the people who made it. The next game just happens to be the next longest game title is Half-Life Alex, which um, I talked about at length earlier in the year and won't talk about too much more, but it just had to be on my list because it's the most incredible virtual reality experience I've ever had. Uh, I think anyone has ever had. It's incredibly cool. It's also great as a Half-Life game. It opens the door to new Half-Life games. It has, well, we'll get into it with my predictions next uh, next week, but it, it has a, it really sets up stuff uh, related to Half-Life 2 in ways that I predicted, but um, wasn't totally expecting, even though I predicted it. And it's just, it's so good. I mean, like, it's just on another level. I, I've been replaying it on the um, Quest 2 with the higher resolution. I can read all the text on the little objects that you walk around picking up. It's just so great. It's a fantastic game, and anyone who can play it should. And if you can't play it, well, hopefully one day you will be able to. I will play the next Half-Life that is not in VR, and I will be very excited to play it. <laughs> yeah, that'll happen. I think that that will happen. Yes, um, I will 100% play it. Yeah. Uh, well, and you got to play Half-Life too. Maybe I'll win. Maybe we'll maybe if you'll play you win. Next year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So next one is Desperados Three, which I also talked about quite a bit. This is a real-time stealth strategy tactics game. Unbelievably great game. Love it to death. Played the hell out of it. Um, it's fantastic. I've said as much super on the show. Good. It's so good. super unusual. Such an interesting concept that like hasn't really isn't really done other than those games like that and and their other one. What's oh, called like, Shadow War Tactics. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like Desperado it's games. in that in the earlier Desperados, right? In that kind of lineage. Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, next, Star Wars Squadrons, which I talked about a couple times on the show, so I won't go on at length. Um, it was the VR that put this one over the top for me. Uh, it's a really cool Star Wars, you know, flight game, but it's incredible in VR. And just kind of the thing that I think a lot of people with VR headsets wanted to play from the minute they got a VR headset. Like, you want to be in a TIE fighter and flying around a Star Destroyer, and this game does that and it's very good at it so i loved it a lot and then uh the last three are final fantasy 7 remake talked about it a lot loved it um cool Ori and the will of the wisps which i finished and jason i hope that you finish and maddie oh. i hope that you play through incredibly I good it. yeah apparently yeah. the ending is really good great ending really i wild. mean really great story the only thing is i didn't love were there's some set pieces like boss set pieces that were kind of whatever but they're mm-hmm. amazing looking like the game is amazing looking throughout it's just when, the thick of it is the exploring and the platforming and the combat and yeah i like this a lot more than the first one actually i like the first one okay but i didn't finish it i just it didn't quite feel right to me and i still never fully got around it um like got my head around hmm. the feel i think that it's it's pretty busy like the there's so much particle shit going on and it's yeah, really the beautiful. readability is the real problem yeah. with the game yeah like it's yeah. hard to tell what is an object you can interact with and yes. what isn't and there are mm-hmm. times it's not that challenging it's nowhere close to like hollow knight or anything but it it gets tough on a few fights and there were just times where i was like ah like there are particles flying off these missiles I'm trying to dodge and Ori glows kind of white. And I was just like, this is just kind of, I wish it were cleaner. And, um, you know, it's my Hollow Knight bias showing, I guess, because that game is so clean. Like, it's so stark and easy to, to follow. But I did long for that. But 
Great, great game. It's on my list. Fantastic game. And then my last game is Animal Crossing New Horizons, which I uh, played the hell out of. This was one that Emily and I really bonded over during the mm-hmm. early days of the pandemic, but then kept playing. It was also really fun to watch her kind of bloom into this obsessive gamer as she kind of took <laughs> over the island from me after a while when I moved on to other things and she kept going. And it's just a great game. I wish I was still playing it. Every time you talk about it, Maddie, it makes me want to go back and, and see where our island is at and, and do some of the new stuff. But yeah, I mean, it, it was an undeniable game of 2020 and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like th- there are games like Yakuza and, like I said earlier, um, that I, I didn't finish um, Assassin's Creed yeah. and also Miles Morales, where I'm still like, you know, mm-hmm. trying to. At least that one's not that long. So, yeah, you could I have it. Turn it, it around. It's more that I'm waiting for. I think I might play it on PS5 because now I'm curious. I think it'd be fun to talk about on the show the difference, but I have hmm. to get a PS5 first, which might take a while. <laughs> okay, let's take a break and we'll be back with one more thing. Hi, it's me, Dave Hill, from before, here to tell you about my brand new show on Maximum Fun, the Dave Hill Good Time Hour, which combines my old Maximum Fun show, Dave Hill's podcasting incident, with my old radio show, The Damn Dave Hill Show, into one new futuristic program from the future. If you like delightful conversation with incredible guests, technical difficulties, and actual phone calls from real-life listeners, you've just hit a street called easy. I'm also joined by my incredible co-host, the boy criminal Chris Gersbeck. Say hi, Chris. Hey, Dave. It's really great That's to... That's enough, Chris. And New Jersey chicken rancher, Des. Say hi, Des. Hey, Dave. The Dave Hill Good Time Hour. Brand new episodes every Friday on Maximum Fun. Plus, the show's not even an hour. It's 90 minutes. Take that, stupid rules. We nailed it. Does our podcast deep dive into the weirdest Wikipedia pages we can find? Yes. Do we learn about scam artists, remote islands, horrible mascots, beautiful diseases, and mythical monsters? Yes, 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 absolutely, and yes. Do we retain any of this knowledge? Eh, probably not. I'm Emily Heller. I'm Lisa Hannawalt. We make art and comedy and TV shows and also the podcast Baby Geniuses. For the past eight years, we've been trying to learn new things about the world and each other every episode. But let's be honest, this podcast is mostly about two friends hanging out, shooting the breeze, and making each other laugh. We're horny, we like gardening and horses, and we get real stupid on here. But like, in a smart way. Yeah. Join us every other week on Maximum Fun. Baby Geniuses, tell us something we don't know. All right, and we're back for one more thing. Uh, Maddie, why don't you go first? Sure. So I just want to mention an article I read this week that I thought was extraordinarily funny and good, and Uh it is called The Very Real, Totally Bizarre Bucatini Shortage of 2020. It's by Rachel Handler. It is in Grub Street. It is an article about food. So this is (laughs) an investigative piece about bucatini, which is a form of pasta. It's spaghetti. It's really super thick spaghetti with a hole in the middle of it. So you Mm -hmm. can put sauce inside of it. And so the sauce explodes in your mouth when you eat it. And Rachel Handler really likes it. And she has several friends who like it. And she's written this very comedic story about how there's actually been a shortage on Bucatini during the pandemic. And that sounds really boring. And I know that. But this article is incredible and I just I want people to read it. And it's like a great example of how when a reporter gets a weird concept in their brain and they just let loose on chasing down every possible person they could call in order to find out why a thing happened. It can be so entertaining and wonderful to read. And it's it's a great example of that. It made me Mm -hmm. feel glad to work in the field I work in. So Mm -hmm. I think people should read it. 
it's fun and good. Yeah, it reminded me of a Katie Weaver article in the best Yeah, way. yes. Yeah, or Ashley Feinberg when like Ashley would get obsessed with figuring something mm-hmm. out and especially like yep. all three very funny writers too. So if a writer is mm-hmm. funny, a lot of things can be readable. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I read this article earlier today and yeah. the thing that struck me about it is Rachel Handler has all these amazing asides and is yes. just like such a good writer that it just, I could read her write about whatever, like some subject I don't care about, which I think is the best skill that a journalist can have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So highly recommended that people enjoy this article. Uh, we'll put a link in show notes. All right. I'm going to go next and I will go pretty quick because, well, it's a big game with a lot to say about it, but um, <laughs> I, well, it will become clear why I don't have a ton to say. So I played some Spelunky too. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but the version of Spelunky 2 that I played was the multiplayer version. I played with um, our friend, Russ Frushtick. He's very good at Spelunky 2. Yes. Is that where uh, this is going? Yeah. Well, yes. And um, yeah, I mean, yes. Uh, so this is uh, Russ, who is Maddie's co-worker, also co-host of The Besties, who are recently independent. Good video game podcast. Check out The Besties. Congrats mm-hmm. to them. He sent me a Gchat message saying, may have made Kirk a convert. Played Spelunky with Kirk, may have made him a convert. <laughs> yeah, I've been playing <laughs> since then. So I played with Russ and it was really cool because it was a great way to learn the game, which I think is a really nice thing that the Splunky 2 has is this online multiplayer. The first one had same screen multiplayer. Sequel has online multiplayer. You can just play with somebody else. And there are a lot of assists. Like if you die, you become a ghost. As long as the other person is still alive, they can revive you down the line like Left 4 Dead. And um, which is good because I died a lot. Because you die a lot in this mm-hmm. game. And it, it really kind of showed me what Spelunky is all about. And I already know, like I've, you know, I played some of the first game and I've read some, there's some phenomenal writing about the game uh, just because there's so much to it. And the people who get really obsessed with it, it's so rewarding for them that they tell these amazing stories. Um, so I got the gist from reading, but playing it, you really see it in action. And it's so cool because it isn't, there's no other game like it. It's not. It's not like Hades, the most, the closest, you know, rogue-like, rogue-inspired ref- van- like reference point that I can come up with. They're nothing alike. Like it's such a game about weird world literacy and cause and effect and specific rules and things that you have to learn. It's a game about like exploring and learning to understand a world. And the world of Spelunky is so dense and complex, but also really like rigidly constructed in a way, like. Rigid is the wrong word. It very intricately constructed. It's not rigid, actually. It's very. It flows, and all kinds of weird, unexpected cascade effects happen. But it's very intricate and specific, and everything follows these rules that have been set out. And the joy of the game is in learning all of them, and then watching them interact, and seeing what combination you're going to get this time through. Um, so following Russ through, he could be like, "Okay, you're going to watch out for that thing. This thing is probably going to kill you. I'll get that guy. Watch out for that. He's really dangerous. He doesn't look like it, but I'm going to go over there." And we did this. We did a couple of runs, and eventually we beat the game like he carried me through to an ending like there are a bunch of different endings and there are endings he hasn't even gotten that are ludicrous where you have to like you go get the crown and then the crown lets you get the sword out of the stone and if you have the sword equipped you have to drop it and then go and it's so like you know beyond even like call of duty zombies level of intricate weirdness but once you learn it all and i think especially if you have a group of people you're doing this with um you can kind of really crack it open and you just learn to understand and master everything in the game and it's so cool i was that i played some by myself and just died a whole bunch but even that once you kind of 
have had someone just show you, okay, here's all the basics. You know, if we had played for longer, he could have kind of trained me up in the first area and we could have just gone through it a bunch of times and he'd be like, okay, well, here's how you deal with this. Watch me do it. And then I could see someone else do it. And he's great at the game. I mean, it, it is like you have to be good at platformers. It's a skill-based game. But so much of the skill of this game is knowledge. And it was really, really cool. It made me, I'm going to play more on PC and then it's coming to Switch later next year in 2021. And I'm definitely going to play it on Switch too. I think it would be fun to play in co-op and it would be fun actually the three of us could all play together which would be wow. a disaster but also maybe fun so we should think about that <laughs> as well so I'm going to be playing more but it was very fun and thanks to Russ for sherpaing me all the way to the finale um, just because <laughs> I never would have gotten to see it probably if it weren't for him uh, Jason what is your one more thing cool so um, after I beat Demon Souls uh, a few weeks ago I was getting the urge I was getting the itch I was like oh man I gotta play more from mm-hmm. games because that's what happens sometimes when you play one of these games you're just like I have to play more really so is. I jump back into Sekiro which is a game that I really enjoyed last year but never really got past Genichiro which is kind of a choke point like I mentioned with Demon Souls how all these games have choke points um, other than Demon Souls most of these games have choke points um, Janitro in this game is like the the toughest boss, one of the toughest boss in the game. Um, very much like a skill test. Like if you don't really know how to play Sekiro, then you're not getting past yeah. him. Janitro does not fuck around. That's a choke point to right. choke other choke points. <laughs> And so um, I restarted the game uh, a few weeks ago um, and started from scratch, jumped into it. Um, took me a while to get the hang of it because it's a very difficult game and it's a tough game to like really wrap your head around. It takes a lot of time. Um, but then I kept fighting through, beat the first couple of bosses, beat Lady Butterfly, who's one of the, another early boss that's pretty mm-hmm. difficult. Got to Janichiro, was like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And slam my head against him a dozen times or so. And then I beat him. And I was like, hell yeah, I am yeah. a god. Um, and then kept playing Sekiro. And I'm still playing Sekiro because it's a great game. Um, I'm at another choke point right now. Guardian Ape, who is <laughs> another infamous, infamous boss. Kirk, did you ever get past him? Oh, yeah. Um, have you, you beat him? Okay. Well, so I beat... So <laughs> after Janichiro, you can go like a few different paths. Yeah. And I've beaten all the other paths. So yeah. I took down the folding screen monkeys. I took down the corrupted mm-hmm. monk. Folding screen um, is a funny one. That's it's like one of those gimmick gimmicky fights. That's a silly boss. Yeah, a gimmick boss. Um, how's the guardian ape fight going for you? Well, I got to the second part, if that's what you're asking. Okay, that's what I'm asking. That part okay, is like one yeah. of the funniest fuck yous in any Souls game, like that that yeah. second phase. <laughs> I think I knew I knew it was coming. Um, I think yeah. I read it somewhere at some oh, point okay. or someone had spoiled it for me. So I knew it was coming. Um, but yes, that was annoying. I'm still stuck on that boss, but I know that yeah. that with enough, uh, enough power, enough willpower, I will see my way through and yeah, what's great about these out. games like all souls games are just like like with persistence you can get yourself good enough at the game to beat it and i think that's true of anybody like um maybe not if you're it's your first video game ever but if you if you played a few games like if you know how to have a controller you have like the muscle memory that's needed to use a controller i think anyone can like get good at these games like it just takes especially with sekiro it just takes a lot of time and practice and persistence most importantly yeah i wonder sekiro is the the one more than maybe any of the others that is 
very just hard (laughs) yeah well the thing it's very it's a little more twitchy than other games because you need to block more especially i i gather like owl and the final boss like some of those they're like genichiro style fights where you just have to go and go encountering like you can't make a single mistake and but the thing about genichiro is like you're learning his moves every time you die you're learning Mm -hmm. something new about the way he works and like sometimes you might screw up because you misread him or like you press the wrong button or something like that but if you are if you can identify every move he makes then it's more it's just a matter of execution and i feel like anyone with enough time could could pull it off i don't know i'm not that great at at like these twitchy action games and i was able to do it there's a point after guardian ape where it gets extremely difficult and that was where i stopped and i'll be curious if you get past that it'll probably it'll like motivate me to keep going and that would be fun to play through it at the same time but it did get so hard and just regular enemies were so hard that i was like all right i'm Uh just like I'm good. Like I've I've seen enough. But yeah, if, Fair you, enough. if you keep going, it'll make me want to go finish. No, it. it's possible that I'll feel that way at that point as well. And I'll, I'm already kind of feel, with Guardian Ape. I've I've yeah. lost too many times, and and I'm running out of those spirit emblems. And I've used all my money getting new ones because I keep using the firecrackers <laughs> to try to stun him yeah, in the yeah. first phase. And it's getting a little a little. Uh, grading and draining Um, but I do think that like all it really takes is just persistence and time and so these games are very much not meant for people who have kids like myself and don't have a lot of gaming time Um, so that for that reason I might not be able to play too much longer I might have to move on to other things Um, but it is good it's it's a good game to play when there aren't a ton of new other games coming out and you can be like okay I'm just going to dedicate the next couple of weeks to Sekiro because there's not a lot of other stuff that I need to play right away but Mm -hmm. anyway Good ass, good ass video game. Yeah, well, I hope you, uh, I hope you beat Guardian Ape, and that me too will do it for our last show of 2020. Uh, cool. Happy, wow. happy New Year, everyone! If you're listening to this on New Year's Eve, I hope you have a safe, yeah, fun New Year. celebration. And uh, if you're yes. listening to it in 2021, by yourself or with your your immediate family. And yes, that's mm-hmm. it. yes. Mm-hmm. In Animal Crossing, no oh super spreader New Year's events, please. <laughs> The vaccine is so close. We just got to hold out a little bit longer. So close. All right. Well, I'll see the two of you in 2021 for more video games. Here's to a better year. (laughs) (laughs) Please. (laughs) Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.